Hello, my name's Debbie Evans and I'm the nursing correspondent for UK Column. And it's a happy new year uh, because actually this is my first interview of the year and I'm so pleased to be able to welcome our very good friends actually now. We're going to be catching up with Charlotte Crichton and Wayne Cunnington, um, both who have been so brave and stood up and talked out about vaccine injuries with UK Column in the past. And, you know, I have to say that the people that are vaccine injured that have been speaking to UK Column and speaking to me are incredibly brave because they're having to square up and look at all of these serious adverse reactions and all of the publicity that's coming out and, and all of the evidence that's coming out. So we're incredibly grateful not just that they're standing up, but both Charlotte and Wayne are great activists. And as you know, Charlotte and Caroline and Wayne are all part of the CV, um, COVID family group. Uh, and Charlotte runs a huge group, as we'll hear from uh, in, in just a couple of minutes. And Wayne has written articles for us and done interviews and is on Twitter, putting it out there. So, you know, huge, huge thanks to both of them for joining me. So without further ado, let's go to Charlotte first. And Charlotte, welcome, Happy New Year. How are you? And just give us a little introduction to those of you, that those of our viewers that might not have already seen you before. Hi Debbie, Happy New Year. Um, my name's Charlotte Crichton and I run um, UKCV Family along with many volunteers um, that help me run it. And we're all, injured by the COVID vaccine. So everyone that, that runs the group is actually injured themselves. Um, so we, we've got quite a large team, obviously, because we all take turns in feeling ill and having time out. Um, we've got roughly about a thousand members now. Um, so since November 2021, when we formed, we had 20 members. We now have a thousand and we get roughly about 20 join each week. So a decent number join each week. And we're, we're still seeing people that think or th have thought that they were alone um, even now. So even two years nearly on from when the vaccines were rolled out, people that were injured two years ago uh, are only just finding these support groups. So um, um, it's a massive, a massive deal for, for people to find others. Um, having had these adverse reactions and these very weird and wonderful many and varied symptoms, as Wayne will tell you, that we get. Charlotte, that brings me on to actually um, a very good point in people listening and, and watching this. Where do they find you? So we have a website and our website is www.ukcvfamily.org and you can go on there and you can find our email address which is um, inquiries at ukcvfamily.org um, and you can also find us on Facebook although it, it is slightly hidden, Facebook slightly hides us so you might have a bit of trouble finding us that way so it's usually better to give us an email and then we can point you in the right direction brilliant thank you so much and as we always say at uk column you know you are all experts by experience and nothing about you without you so let's welcome wayne wayne welcome happy new year 
how are you? And just give us a little introduction. Happy New Year, Debbie. Um, yeah, thank you. Um, my name is Wayne Cummington. Um, I fought um, uh, brain tissue damage from my vaccine in 22nd of February 2021. Um, I'm pretty, I wouldn't say outspoken, but I try to speak up for all who've been injured and just trying to make us have better awareness, um, but also get better representation because we for a long time seem to be fighting against all this and not be heard. Um, but finally, through the various groups like Charlotte's and others, we seem to be getting our voices out there, but also getting that little bit of support because for so long there was nothing out there. But we, we've no. had to do all this ourselves, and, and that's criminal, isn't it? Yeah, it completely is because you've had to do everything yourself. And, and I just have to reiterate, actually, to, to everybody watching that Wayne, Charlotte, and your thousand members, Charlotte, you know, you're not just fighting your own battles, but you're fighting everyone else's. And, and I know how much you guys have on your plate. And I know how difficult it is to navigate all of these different systems. Um, how do you both, let's go to Charlotte first, how do you both manage to navigate the NHS, which is in complete collapse, and we'll come on to that and how it's affecting you guys in able to access treatment. How do you navigate the NHS, DWP, appointments, um, vaccine damage payments, pharmaceutical companies, MHRA, friends, family? How do you cope in your everyday lives? Yeah, it's 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 very difficult. Is is the is the answer to that one? You know, um, just trying to to navigate our own health issues um, is is quite difficult. Um, finding the right doctors, finding doctors that are, are willing to think outside of the box um, to start with um, is difficult. There's there's a handful that I know of that are doing it in the UK. That are helping people um but the rest don't seem to be that bothered at the moment um then you've got the the financial side so a lot of us haven't been able to work for years now you know we're talking nearly two years uh, for some of us so mm -hmm. uh, financially we've used all of our savings um we're now or we have applied for PIP, personal independence payment. That can take months and months to arrive. Um, you need you have to have assessments, two-hour phone assessments, and typically you have these when you're, you know, I had mine seven months ago, eight months ago, which was when my brain was at its foggiest, um, and the two-hour phone call was physically draining. Um, you're not sure if you're saying the right things or, you know, they, they want certain phrases from you. And if you don't get those phrases right, you get deducted points. All very difficult um, to, to navigate. On top of that, like you say, we're, we're Wayne and I and other people in the groups, we're writing to the MHRA, we're writing to the pharmaceutical companies, we're sending subject access requests to AstraZeneca, to Pfizer, to Moderna, we're doing all of this um, while we're still recovering um, and or, or maybe we're at the point where we've recovered to the point that we're going to now, maybe this is it, but we're, we're doing it 
um, and it takes a lot of time and energy. Uh, but we're doing it because someone has to. And Wayne will tell you that, you know, you get to a point you can't just sit back and, and and you see these injustices being done to people, people not getting the right support, people not getting the right financial support, uh, medical support. And it's very, it's just too unfair to ignore. So, so we carry on doing it. Thank you, Charlotte. Wayne, um, I mean, as Charlotte said, you know, you know only too well um, the nightmare that you've had to go through. But just for other people listening, how bad has it actually been? Because I know that you've you've been pretty much stonewalled by everyone, including insurance companies and the vaccine damage payment scheme and the yellow card. I mean, how are you finding it? It's been pretty much a nightmare. I think if, if I didn't have my slight disassociation away from dealing with real life sometimes, um, my memory is, is awful. So if I'm, it stresses me out one day, I'm probably not worried so much about it the next because my the fogginess is setting and you kind of lose awareness of it. Um, having to fight every day um, to see doctors, to speak to people, um, to get them to listen to you. I think by chance I managed to get in touch with the right people to get certain things in process. But um, vaccine damage payment, um, I applied for it. Um, in March when I was discharged from hospital. Um, but still, um, nearly two years later, um, not you know, a year and nine months, but I'm still trying to get to the bottom of that. And they've now said that it could still take another six months. Um, my doctor now has finally decided to give me a referral. Um, and I've, I've been fighting against a year to get back onto that. And he, my neurologist discharged me from seeing her end of last year because I made some sort of progress. But I now feel I'm worse in many ways, but trying to get back onto that referral scheme was a nightmare. And they've finally done that. He said, well, what can I do for you? I said, well, give me a referral. Yeah, not a problem. But it's now with pain management clinics rather than actually back with a neurologist, which I need to further better treatments, investigations into the symptoms, because I've never had a full diagnosis right from the word go, as Charlotte will say, many people have never had a proper diagnosis. You're battling many symptoms that all tick the boxes of POTS, Guillain-Barre syndrome, etc. But without that full diagnosis, the insurance companies don't want to listen to you. Um, other specialists don't want to listen to you. So. They're deliberately throwing up all these barriers in your way, um, and it, it's frustrating. Are you um, actually now, by medical professionals, when you do get to see medical professionals, and I know that not many of you are able to see medical professionals, but when, when you do meet with medical professionals, are you being recognised as vaccine injured? Have they accepted that this is a causal problem or are they still because as we know we, there's no coding there's no icd coding for vaccine injured so you don't go under one umbrella so all of these different symptoms can be different conditions but are people generally recognizing your vaccine injury now i'd say there's still a lot of skepticism um the neurologist really didn't want to get into the subject of the, the vaccine causing it although her colleagues when i was in hospital um 
uh, March 2021, actually put it on the discharge notes as being directly connected to the vaccine. So the doctors I saw in hospital in August 2021, when I was being blue lighted in three different weekends, uh, three different nights in a row on two different weekends, um, they were quite more open to a lot of things. I um, brought up the dreaded subjects of ivermectin and many other things. And they were quite agreeable to certain things, but they still didn't. You can see there's a reluctance to jump in and go, yes, I'm definitely against the vaccine. Let's cancel it. Let's, like many other doctors are talking about now. So it's taken a year to get to this stage now when some others, more high profile people, are actually raising that subject. Charlotte, with your group, um, with a thousand, and when we last spoke, I think you were 800. I think it was about eight, seven or 800. So that's a substantial increase. Just, it might put you on the spot a little bit. So I apologize if it does, but just as a guesstimate, out of those thousand members, how many of those would you say are actually recognized by the health profession as vaccine injured? And they're being given that form of, um, I don't know, empathy, consideration, compassion, but they're actually recognizing that you're vaccine injured. Are most of you being recognized or are many of you still having to battle the health professionals because they're not listening to you? I think it's um, it, the, the number has grown. I think um, I think some of the, the people for, that maybe got injured early on, um, they either got a diagnosis or they didn't. And if they didn't, they've probably given up by now chasing Western medicine and Western medical health professionals because they, you know, it's been a long old slog for some people. And I do know of quite a few that have just gone, do you know what? I, I'm just going to try and deal with this at home in my way because no one's listening to me. I'm giving up trying to get a diagnosis full stop. Um, then you've got um, people that have been diagnosed recently that do that do seem to have a diagnosis straight away um so so there's a there's a mix but i do think it's becoming much more apparent that um health professionals are recognizing this is happening and uh, you only have to talk to other people to realize how much it's happening um Obviously, this is, you know, my assumption based on my conversations with people. So I see it in a certain light, but um, more and more people seem to be recognising us slowly and surely. Um, and doctors do seem to be at least saying, you know, yes, this this looks like it's happened since the vaccine. We don't know how to help you, but we hear you and we see you. So... There, there is some hope. There is a bit of a glimmer of hope this year, I think. Well, that's good to hear. But as, as we're speaking, you know, in New Year, today is the 3rd of January. And all over the media and all over the newspapers is the NHS has collapsed. The NHS is no longer a safe place for patients to be. How does this, I mean, we've got 7 million people on the waiting list. How does this NHS collapse affect you? You know, what happens if one of your group perhaps were to feel very, very poorly? 
and would need to call an ambulance. Um, is this going to impact you or because you are seen as vaccine injured? And I, I know what you're going to say, but I'm just going to ask the question anyway. Would you be seen to be receiving any kind of priority treatment? Because at the end of the day, you followed the government narrative, you trusted the science, and you did as the government told you to do. Through no fault of your own, have, have you been come in this situation? You've been put in this situation. So you would think that because the government have given this information and it has led to this, that they would give you priority care in, oh, yes, we're going to find out what the problem is and we're going to give you help. But I suspect you're going to tell me, both of you, Charlotte and Wayne, that that's far from the case and that you're actually really struggling to get any kind of help within the NHS, especially now. Charlotte, have you got any experience of that with your group? Yeah, it generally is the opposite, unfortunately. Um, you know, it, this is why a lot of us have spent all of our money going to private doctors um, and even then it's hit and miss whether you get a private doctor that's willing to talk about it or or think outside the box again. So, um, no, I wouldn't say we've been treated as a priority. That was my my naive belief before <laughs> before this happened to me. I honestly thought that um, there would be a research hospital somewhere that would would be investigating me and trying to find out what had gone wrong with me in order to prevent this in other people that take the vaccines. Um, I thought naively that they would want to know the mechanisms behind why I'd reacted. But unfortunately, no, we, we are left at the mercy of what is left of the NHS. And, and as you quite rightly say, you know, it, it's not in a very good state and hasn't been for some time. Um, you know ambulances are taking hours to arrive um and that's no good if you've got a heart condition that needs treating urgently so i think a lot of us unfortunately do suffer with um medical post-traumatic stress disorder so a lot of us have been or at some point have been treated poorly um in a local hospital or a hospital so what happens is when we do feel um very ill um we a lot of us don't go into hospital a lot of us just ride it out at home um and that probably isn't ideal but that's what end up what ends up happening unfortunately because um the thought of going back to hospital sitting there feeling very unwell for maybe i don't know five six hours sometimes in a corridor only to be told that you're not believed um, and that they're not going to do any more tests to look into why you feel so unwell um, isn't very appealing to a lot of us. So a lot of us just take ourselves off to our beds and, and try and recuperate there ourselves. And luckily for most of us that, that works. But for some people, obviously, the conditions are a lot more serious and, and they do need hospital care. And, and that's where it's failing people. And I think you make a, a really good point there, because I, I think it's very easy for people that aren't in the system to believe that when you've put a yellow card in and you say it's naivety, but I was as naive as you, as, as you, Charlotte, because I really did believe that if you were to put a yellow card in and you were going to say to someone, actually, something that I've been given has made me very sick, 
then there would be maybe a scientist or a doctor calling you from the MHRA or from the yellow card scheme to find out how you are or maybe send somebody. I mean, you know, this all seems fantastical now in my mind because the reality of it is completely the opposite. But I do think that many people, members of the public, think that, oh, because you have got a vaccine injury, then you will get a prioritise or be prioritised within the health service. And we know that's not happening. And I know, Wayne, for you, that hasn't happened either, has it? You've had to, I think, you're. are you still waiting? Are you still waiting for NHS appointments? And what would happen to you, God forbid, should you need an ambulance in, in a hurry? Um, anytime soon and we hope that that doesn't happen to anybody watching or listening because I don't think any of us stand much of a chance of getting an ambulance in fact I've been reporting that in some areas you actually have to be dead in a state of cardiac arrest before you'll get a 999 ambulance but how does this affect you Wayne and the way you live your life knowing that you possibly can't get an ambulance should you need to and you have been blue lighted in a number of times haven't you yeah, that's right. Um, it's quite worrying because, I mean, Charlotte will tell you, you know, like, looking back to how we thought we'd be looked after, I mean, I contacted the um, AstraZeneca's team um, quite early on for my um, complaint of my injury. I suppose you're just quite asking for help. And he referred me to their neurological unit in Liverpool. And they said, well, yeah, well, we're going to research this. We're going to look, look into it. We'll help you. And I thought, wow, that's, that sounds amazing. But very quickly, you get to, <clears throat> get to realise that it was all a lie. And they're not interested in anything, really. It's all um, ticking boxes and looking like they're really um, kind of um, devoted to uh, doing something, but they're not actually. Um, I think they're just meant to buy their departments or whatever it is, and they, they have to say, yeah, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll do what we can. But, um, yeah, it was a shame. It took me a long while to actually come to uh, realise that. I actually wasted time contacting them and correspondence, and then you have to carry on, and you, you push on, and you start to realise, yeah, okay, I'll do what I can, and you get focused on other things. But even if you do get an ambulance, this is the problem. Even if you do get an ambulance turn up or a paramedic, and this is the most shocking aspect that I discovered and must personally. So the guy comes up, and um, I've previously been, been into hospital on two previous occasions, blue lighted in, because the information that the vaccine gave me and still gives me to this day makes my whole body become inflamed and because it puts pressure on the brain. So you, you lose all feeling. And you can't walk, you can't do anything. You're just like a very loose-limbed baby. So I, I slid off my sofa, and the guy came out, and he said, well, I can see if you discharge, no, you just come out of hospital. Um, well, I can tell you now, you're not going back. Okay. He says, I'm going to cancel the ambulance, and I'm leaving. And I was lying on the floor, and I've got no energy. I can't even pick myself up off the floor. And that was his assessment, and that was him. He said, bye. And 
that's the problem. You know, even if you do get an ambulance, they won't take you seriously because they see on your medical reports, yes, vaccine injury, you've got this doubt already in some of the minds. I've spoke to some brilliant paramedics and they've actually said, yeah, um, I've seen so many people being injured uh, and I'm not being vaccinated. So you're getting some amazing people out there. But then others, they tell you something totally different and they're very anti this whole movement. I'll, I'll call it a movement because that's what we are. We're all fighting to have a better recognition, understanding, listen to us um, and just believe us because it's amazing that so many of them are out there still trying to keep that narrative going. Um, hospitals, my appointments, I've only got this referral come up because I'm, I've got to that point when I just won't bother wasting my time with various doctors because there's nothing that they can do for me. It's a case of, in my personal experience, this is what I think it is. Um, I'll treat my condition with anti-inflammatory things to make it more uh, comfortable. Uh, if I can manage each day to a certain degree, I can achieve certain things. Um, and that's fine because in some ways I'm not getting any worse. Um, it's a horrible realization to know that you're alone, but in one way you are. You're not, there's, there's hundreds and hundreds of people around you that have also been injured and they're all talking about their own problem. And that's brilliant. Um, but so on a medical basis, until more and more people come forward and actually start talking about these things, we're just going to be left in the background, aren't we? Yeah, and of course that's the problem is that um, you're not allowed to speak, you know, you're being censored, you're being shut down. Um, and the MPs, I know Sir Christopher Chope and, and Andrew Bridgen recently have come out and, and spoken up, but you've had such a long, hard slog. And it's not just um, the effect of the ambulances, I don't think, because I've spoken to, to you both many times. And I know that you have to travel quite a long way at times to get to your appointments because some of these hospitals that you're being referred to are specialist units that are, you know, sometimes some of them are in London and you're, you know, way up country. Um, and I know that Adam, who we've also recently interviewed, he has to go miles as well. And you don't get an ambulance always to go to these appointments. You've got to get on a train, you've got to get in a car, you've got to drive, you've got to sit in a waiting room like everyone else and of course I know many of you have done exactly that and you've booked train tickets only to find that your NHS appointment has been cancelled or postponed. Um, Charlotte can I ask you because the campaign that your group has been running for so long and so effectively now how are you getting on with uh, speaking to MPs and the all-parliamentary group um, is is that moving forward? Have you heard from any of the MPs? Are you getting favourable feedback? And what are you expecting in the near future? Can we expect anything coming up with APPG, perhaps? Brian Howard's um, area, really. Um, and Caroline was supposed to be here with us today, but she's still recovering um, from her stint in hospital uh, in the autumn. So... Um, she is just getting back into the swing of the um, organisation of the campaign now. However, when I say that, I don't mean she's been resting on her laurels. She has a list as long as my arm 
of things that she's doing and things that she's done. So she has been doing things in the background. When Caroline says she's not doing anything, it means that she is doing things to the extent a normal person would. She's not being super Wonder Woman, which she normally is. <laughs> so she, she, I know that she's been meeting with MPs. I know that she's been writing letters. I know that she's probably got another five Excel sheets of, of different strategies that she's working out. Um, however, I don't know the full ins and out of it. We haven't had our first meeting of the year yet to discuss the steps going forward. But I do know that she is very optimistic about this year. So watch this space. <laughs> well, we certainly will be because we, you know, many of our viewers and listeners, they're constantly emailing us to ask how you are, how the group is going. And I think it would be a good idea at this point if maybe um, we could flash up your um, GoFundMe page because, you know, as, as you both said before, and, and Wayne, you were working full time, Charlotte, you had your own business and you're running out of funds because you've had to use your own funds to fund your own treatment because the NHS hasn't provided it. So, and I know um, just from rough guesstimate, I think it's about a thousand pounds, isn't it, for an MRI? And I know that you've got some, some youngsters that have been waiting for MRIs for many months. And if, if you had the resources, then you would be able to distribute that money and maybe help some of your members get some of the help that they need. So tell us a little bit, Charlotte, about your GoFundMe page. Yeah, so we, we've had a GoFundMe page for quite a while now, and um, we've been very, very grateful to UK Column viewers for donating um, last time when you last um, advertised it for us. It was absolutely amazing, and we had a few tears, because uh, just to see people's messages of support and their donations coming in was was. It, it was it makes you feel that people care you know there are people out there that care there not everyone wants to kind of um wants us to be quiet and and go away and so so it was really really lovely to see that happen um at the moment the things that we've used the gofundme for because obviously although the donations have been amazing they're not like life-changing sums of money so what we've been doing so far is using them to um, print leaflets and things for doctors surgeries and hospitals just to raise awareness of the support out there that our group can give them and that for people to know they're not alone you know um, so we've been doing that we've also printed out all our MP statement and documents and we've got them in very professional folders I think I bought them on last time didn't I when I was talking about the the campaign um, so so there there is things that, that our GoFundMe has been doing admin wise but what we hope to do in the future is expand as I say we've not only has Caroline got a list as, as long as her arm I've got a list as well of projects that we want to start in this year. So there's there's a lot of projects um, in all aspects that we want to start this year. And we're hopefully going to have uh, expand our volunteer team and we're going to have more and more people come on board and head up different projects for us. So um, the money will go to very good use and, and it will help a lot of people. But if anybody wants to go onto the website, there's a little donate button. Uh, if you go to more, I think there's three dots and you press it and it'll get, take you to the donate page. Um, I just want to ask 
I want to ask you both a question that I've been asked to ask you. So we'll go to Wayne first. Wayne, there's been a recent paper out that would suggest that um, some of the vaccine injured may be suffering vaccine injuries and exhibiting symptoms because they have been frightened by the um, anti-vax groups and by the anti-vax campaign. Wayne, can I go to you and say, I mean, as personally for me, I've never been an anti-vaxxer. This injection never appeared to be a vaccine to, to, to me, which is why I didn't take it. But I've had vaccines myself and my children. I'm probably looking back, I wouldn't have done, but you know, I'm a fully vaccinated person prior to COVID, but I would be seen as an anti-vaxxer. Can I just ask you, were you ever affected or frightened or worried about the um, anti-vax information or misinformation as some people would like to have you believe? Did it ever worry you or affect your decision to have the COVID injection? No, I mean, to be honest, it's quite, insulting when they can put something together like that because in many cases and certainly mine um i was never aware of anything that went that went against the narrative um i was fully hooked into what the tv was saying the papers um even my own company the fear was quite strong um and so i never saw anything that would tell me otherwise and so when i was prompted to get a vaccine i I did because the only message that I knew was that you're doing it to protect yourself, your family, and your friends. Um, if I'd have had just an ounce of doubt or anything else, then it would have made me think differently, you know. But say so I, I never had any of that. So to then pronounce this in a story, it's quite lud- ludicrous, really, isn't it? Thank you for that, because I totally agree with you. And and I would hope very much that um, anybody that was um, speaking up with regards or against the narrative would would not be um, perceived like that. Charlotte, have you had any experience of or did you were you scared of the anti-vax movement or the misinformation supposedly that was coming out? Did it influence your decision? when you were taking the injection at all? No, no, like Wayne, very similar to Wayne. I didn't really um, didn't really give it much thought, to be honest with you. And I know that, um, you know, some people will say, well, that's stupid. Why didn't you do your homework? Well, you know, it's very difficult, as you know, that if something isn't, um, it's very easy, should I say, in, with hindsight to suggest things to people but actually when and I wasn't even watching the news really at the time you know I, I wasn't um I don't read newspapers so um it wasn't like I was just reading the mainstream but it was all take this it's safe it's safe it's gone through tr- trials it's it's very safe take it everyone take it um so no, I, w- I wasn't worried, um, you know, and in fact, I was only talking to, to one of our group members this morning, actually, and saying, well, actually, the morning that I had my second vaccine, I came home and I did a 5k run on the treadmill straight after, you know, I wasn't worried. Um, 
and and there is some train of thought that actually exercise around the time of vaccination isn't that good for you and I know that there has been people talking about this as well but I've just while you were talking to Wayne I just thought I'd have a look to see my vaccination record on my GP on my NHS app and the last one before that I had was hep A and the one before that was typhoid and then I had polio and DT booster I've always had all my vaccines and not really given it a second thought until now um I think if the information isn't um out there and it's not official people don't see it um and this is what needs to change people need to be aware of side effects you know they need to be aware of adverse events because as far as I can tell most lay people just aren't they're not aware of it so so to to say that we were um scared and that's the reason why we've had adverse events um is a bit laughable really i think yeah i i, I have to say but I, they seem to be throwing everything um at everybody at the moment even to the point i think we've just had professor witty saying to expect uh, an increase in heart disease um but he's attributing it to the lockdown and people not being able to get statins and nobody seems to be looking at serious adverse events. I want to ask you both because as you know um, I've been watching very carefully the MHRA and I've been listening very carefully to Dame June Rain. Um, do either of you, we'll go to maybe, should we go to Wayne first this time, Wayne, have you had any contact with the MHRA recently? Do they ever make any attempt to reach out, find out how you are, to make any inquiries or give you any information? Being as as you have submitted a yellow card, so technically you should have some contact with them. It's only if you've contacted them that would then pro pro um, uh, provoke a response sometime later. Um, they've always been very slow um, or even very reluctant. And then the thing you do get back them, from them is only copy and pasted from a gener generic letter. Probably the most contact recently I've had is from the Vaccine Damage Payment System. And they seem to be sending me out an email every week saying, um, oh, we're still looking at your case. Uh, don't worry, uh, we'll get to it in, in time. And that's very unusual because for at least six months this year, I had nothing unless I actually emailed them and then they'd get back to me finally within so many weeks. So I think there's something happening in the government department, whether they've got more money or there's more emphasis to contact people, I don't know. Um, but they are very poor for an organization that's meant to be making sure these things are safe and effective and be then looking after the people that who've been affected by them as we have and clearly we can see that they're not safe and neither are they effective charlotte um mhra yellow card now i didn't know this until you told me but i think you have to actually have to remind all of your members to renew or update their yellow card is that right and have you had any um have you had any offers of help or any inquiries as to how you are from the MHRA or any of your group for that matter? No, no. And as you know, I've written to June Rain herself um, on several occasions, three or four now, I think, and just had the official blurb back. Um, 
we haven't had any offers of help i don't know anyone that's had any offers of help um i don't know anyone that's been further investigated by the mhra uh i don't henrietta hughes who we've written to as well um just says that she's spoken to sir chope about the vaccine damage payment scheme um, and this is in, in a response to emails that I've sent out asking for urgent meetings to discuss the support for vaccine injured people, not just money, not just the vaccine damage payment scheme. I want to talk to her about why people aren't getting the right support, the right medical care. Um, and all I get back is that she's spoken to Sir Chope about the the money situation so although the money situation is important very important um you know if we're all too ill to to um to use it what's the point <laughs> um we need we need appropriate med appropriate and timely medical care and support um and unfortunately for a lot of us the timely part has run out um so now a lot of us are just looking for some sort of medical support but going forward obviously people that become injured by boosters um and by other vaccines um timely medical care is of the essence so things like myocarditis if it's ongoing can cause scarring in the heart um and that is permanent and that can cause arrhythmias and it can cause cardiomyopathy so Timely medical care is something that the MHRA should be looking at. They should be looking at guidelines for adverse reactions. Um, they should be looking at what is in place for people um, if they have an adverse reaction. Because if you ask any doctor, well, what would you say to a patient if they'd had an adverse reaction? They'll say report to the yellow card system. And there is no practical help from the MHRA, there's no practical help from the patient safety officer or commissioner, should I say, she's a commissioner. So um, people say go to these, these organisations, go to these people, but there's no practical help there for people needing support. So that's what we need to change, really. I think now that you've brought up um, Dr. Henrietta Hughes, let's explain to any readers and listeners that um, are tuning in that uh, Dr. Henrietta Hughes is the Patient Safety Commissioner who was appointed after Baroness Julia Cumberledge uh, put out the Do No Harm report. And this was predominantly over sodium valparate, primados and mesh. Um, but as a result, Dr. Henrietta Hughes was appointed as a Patient Safety Commissioner. And um, she's appointed by NHS England. And yet we've had, we've all had communication with her only to get a reply back to say that her department isn't really set up, the infrastructure isn't in place. And recently at a select committee, I heard Baroness Cumberledge saying, and I think we did put it out on the news, that basically there, the funding wasn't in place. And so she wasn't really liaising at all with the MHRA or doesn't appear to be liaising with the MHRA or any of the vaccine injured. So patient safety commissioner doesn't seem to be doing anything for anyone that's that's, that's suffering that vaccine injury plus the fact i think it's it's really important to know that the vaccine damage payment 
is £120,000. And that for both of you is just a drop in the ocean. I mean, Wayne, if we go to you first, I mean, you were working full time. Um, you had a really good job. You're in the prime. You were in prime health. You were in the prime of your life. You recently lost your mother, sadly, and you look after your father. Um, this has had a huge impact on your financial state, hasn't it? So really, the money that you've already spent out, £120,000, is nothing. And I think what people don't realise is even if you are managing to get anything, any kind of help from the Department of Work and Pensions, if you receive that vaccine damage payment, you then have to forfeit all benefits. So £120,000 in the grand scheme of things isn't that much. Um, and I'm, I'd be surprised if, if you were to say to me that, or any of you were to say to me that that was actually your primary goal in this, because it seems clear to me that what you're needing at the moment is advice and help. Am I being unfair, Wayne, or have I got that pretty much as it is? Yeah, that's right. I mean, that sum of money was only probably see people going for the next couple of years going forward. Bearing in mind the treatments you still need to either investigate or treat what you've got. I mean, I have various therapies uh, regularly at the moment. That makes a huge difference, but it all costs money. I don't ask people to submit to my personal uh, GoFundMe page because that's just about me and I'll manage through how I can through my father who supports me. Um, without him, I, I couldn't do anything that I am doing. Um, just to mirror what um, Charlotte was saying about the hip. I mean, I've had mine go to Court of Appeal now on a second claim because I had two refusals to with zero points and so it's gone to a court of appeal because i thought i could say the magic words i could say everything that needed to be done i couldn't. i admitted that in the end so i got right back for justice and there are a brilliant uh, group of people who seem to be doing all what they need to be and hopefully now that they've been covered that i'm now eligible to a minimum of 15 points through purely because i get benefit I get a government benefit because I can't work. So that automatically tells you that you can't work because you're ill. Whereas the DWP knew that for the past two years. But of course, they just like to be shown the knowledge that you're not getting nothing because we don't declare you ill. Well, hang on a minute. You recognize that I'm ill because I'm getting a benefit. So it's a long, complicated scheme. And everybody's case is different. Um, I'm in the middle of so many different things, it makes my head spin, but it keeps me going. It's, I'm battling through legal um, pension companies. Um, and hopefully at the end of that, all, all of these things will help me financially. Yeah, okay, that's great, because that then helps you function, helps you stop worrying about everything else that's going on in the background but your main goal is to be well um or better improved um and you're also at the same time helping other people in their challenges aren't you because everybody else is fighting in some way yeah and you know you're quite right everybody's everybody's situation is different so and, and that, that segues me nicely to, to Charlotte, really, because Charlotte, I know that 
you've got so many members, but some of your members, they've lost their homes, haven't they? They've lost, I mean, you've lost your business. You you ran your own business um, and 120,000 pounds after all the money that you've spent out already and are still continuing to spend out is absolutely nothing. But many of your members have lost their homes. They've lost their jobs. Some of them have lost their families through all of this. I mean, just give us an idea of the impact that this is having on some of your group. A lot of us can't work because our symptoms, even even after a year, nearly two years, our symptoms are so erratic that one day we can go from being like I am today, feeling fairly good, you know, I'm having a few arrhythmias and things like that, and I, my right toe is numb. But <laughs> on the whole, I'm not feeling too bad. But I can go from this to being completely crippled with head pain, tremors, um, high heart rate, chest pain the next day. So they're very, very erratic symptoms. And this is what a lot of people don't understand is that, you know, sometimes we can look very normal on the outside, but on the inside, there's a lot more going on still. So, so we can't predict. You imagine trying to hold down a job where one day you feel like you're able to maybe work to 60% of what you used to be able to. And then the next day, not at all, you know, it's not going to happen. So, you know, we're not very employable <laughs> at the moment. Um, and it, and it's very hard to run a business like that, especially if you need to be very present and it's a very practical business like mine was. Um, some people are managing to still work a little bit. Um, you know, they're, 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 sacrificing their own health so even though they feel they don't feel right they're still going in for a couple of hours a day or trying to but a lot of people have lost their 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 jobs their businesses some people have lost their homes where they haven't been able to afford the mortgages um some people have been unfortunately lost uh, their relationships so some people have um have lost that too and I'm just having a little look at the latest um, Freedom of Information request. I don't know if you saw it about the vaccine damage payment scheme. But as of the 13th of December, there were 3,092 claims. So that's that's 3,092 people claiming that they have a, a vaccine injury that has made them more than 60% disabled. That's a lot of people. Um it says here that 31 claimants have been notified that they're entitled to it. However, less than five had been paid by the 13th of December. That's less than five people have had a payout of this £120,000. Um, and what we're seeing on the group is the people that are being rejected aren't being rejected because they don't think they're disabled enough. They're being rejected because they they're claiming there's no causal link because if these these um, diagnoses and symptoms aren't officially written down as adverse events by the MHRA, they're not officially recognised as adverse events from the vaccine. So um, some people are being rejected based on that. And as you say, £120,000 isn't much. And I think I said in a previous interview, you know, your benefits stop. So if you're on any benefits, immediately they stop. 
you might have adaptions to be made to your home so you might have to put in um you know you might have to put an extension on the bottom of your house or you know you might have to move because you know some people need wheelchairs and things like this now bathroom ad adaptations etc some people are in debt because they haven't been working so they got themselves into debt paying for these private appointments um one private appointment with with the doctor that i'm seeing is 400 pounds for half an hour so you know you've only got to have a few of those and that that's quite some serious money um so so once you've paid off any debts you've made some adaptations to your home and um and and you've sorted that side out 120,000 pounds really doesn't go a long way you know and and if you were looking at a civil claim if we were talking civil claims here you'd be looking at millions millions or billions owed to people um so it really is unfair to keep people waiting for that 120,000 pounds that quite frankly they're all entitled to or most of them will be entitled to because you don't just suddenly wake up one day and say do you know what i'm going to give up my my business my house most of my friends and family and i'm going to start speaking out about this illness that I have that is extremely controversial and attached with a load of social stigma for £120,000. To be fair, it's not worth it. And I, you know, Charlotte, I know, I completely get that. It's almost offensive, I think. Um, but it does bring me on to two, two other points. And I know we'll, because, because of your injuries, we're not going to make this a, a hugely long interview. So we'll start to wrap up. But one of the things that you said with regards to the vaccine damage payment is that all of you actually have to prove that you're 60% disabled. And we've always turned around and go, well, what constitutes? Who says if you're 59% disabled or if you're 61% disabled? You know, it's a very, very fine line and it's a ridiculous line that you're all having to, to walk down. And of course, that all also brings up a very, very important subject that I just want to to mention because we we cannot forget the impact that all of these injuries have on all of your mental health and not just your own mental health but your family how this affects your family your friends as well your children so i mean i can see you both nodding your head the minute i said mental health so without further ado charlotte do you want to go first and just say the effects because i know that some of your group have very very sadly committed suicide so this is a very very big issue and a very real issue for many of us tell us a little bit about how you all cope we wing it basically we wing it and um we encourage our members to if they can afford to 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 definitely find a psychologist or a psychiatrist or a counselor um We've had a lot of help from Dr. Christian Buckland. He's been amazing. Um, he really does understand what we're going through. You've got the post-traumatic stress dis disorder, the medical PTSD. So you've got the, the, the trauma from all of what we've already been through. You've got the, the stigma attached to this illness and the fact that people are gaslighting you are saying one thing and not doing another 
um you've got the loss so you've got grief you've got grief from a life that you used to have um and the grief of things that might not be in the future then you've got fear and panic so people are very scared of what might happen to them in the future um some people do go into modes of panic about it um it mental the mental health aspect to this we've been saying for months is what we need the help with now we need it now for people um the physical symptoms and the symptoms from the vaccine are one thing but coping with the actual mental health side of this the mental health aspect of this is very difficult for some people and you know most of the people that i know that have committed suicide and we're talking probably 20 or 30 now in the in the worldwide groups because we're also part of react 19 global group which is um all the support group leaders from around the world are all in a group where we talk to each other so we know when one person commits suicide in a group it affects everyone in our community literally and wayne will agree with me here it, it we know what it feels like so um every every person has said they don't want to face this life as it is being this ill for this long being this gaslit not believed by by people so <clears throat> we really do need that mental health support um i know that there are a few charities now that have spoken to some of our members that are being very supportive and have actually offered our group as a whole um emails of support to say you know we hear you we see you we're here for you so that's nice and one of the things i'll be doing in in this year is writing to um various mental health charities letting them know who we are um what things we face and and hopefully dr buckland will come on board and help me with that um and we're also trying to compile a list a, a database of um qualified counsellors, psychotherapists, psychologists, psychiatrists to work with our group voluntarily. So if any of your listeners or watchers out there, viewers, should I say, out there are qualified and would like to volunteer a few hours a month with us, please let us know because we really, really do need mental health support. That is brilliant. And you know, we're we're very, very fortunate at UK Cullen because we've got a very, very well-educated, clever audience. So I know that for people watching and listening, if you do have experience and you are qualified as psychologist, psychotherapist, and Dr. Christian Buckland, we've interviewed him before and he's amazing. He's I know he's been a tower of strength. So if any of you are qualified out there, then please do contact Charlotte um, and she'll be very pleased to hear from you. Wayne, um, it's, a lo it's lonely, isn't it? Um, it must feel incredibly lonely because you're all spread out all over the place how have you coped um since this this whole nightmare began how's your mental health been it breaks you um i was I probably went to pieces quite early on because i found that there was nothing there there was nobody around i mean you're going back to march april time and the only thing that i found was making a difference was twitter social media um if you weren't heavily censored, you could at least speak to people in Clubhouse. Um, you've now got a new um, app called Spaces, 
and it just gives you that chance to talk to people now that these help groups um like charlotte's are giving people more of a chance to talk and share their thoughts feelings and even things to try that will make a difference it makes such a huge difference i mean in my personal case i mean i i was a, a bodybuilder i used to love running as well as working and traveling and all that just basically stops um i could probably go to the gym now and do a few minutes of something and that at least would kind of make me feel like i've got a bit of my old life back but it just takes so much out of you at the same time so if I can then put those few minutes to doing something in a, an article, a composition, it, I get something that's a little bit more longer lasting. Yeah, okay, my body's not the same as it used to be, but I then now have to think of what I can do, I can change. Um, that's the old life. That's my, You now have to look at something further, something at least this way, you can have an impact on those people, like Charlotte says, that are finding themselves right at the very edge. They are close to giving up. So by sharing that bit of time you've got with somebody else, you can make a difference. It's a hell of a lot of people make a difference to me. You know, I still get my low ebbs. Um, it's incredibly hard. I'm, I'm, I lost touch with so many people I used to work with um because there was an inconvenience they just dropped me like a hot stone and i just could not believe it that first year was just like wow really no messages i mean okay yeah you you can't see people because i used to work over northampton but which is half an hour journey but you know use social media there's text messages there's all sorts of ways you can keep in touch and i've got nothing back from most of them um, that was a huge wake-up call. But like Charlotte says, having these external ways of dealing with your emotions is crucial. Um, whether that's then helped in the short term through social media. Um, I personally have a, a massage every, every other month, well, six weeks. And that helps my physical problems caused by the vaccine. Um, but you still need some of the help with the, the verbal, the, the communication side of things, because these sessions help even talking in a group here. That, that's an amazing thing, because you help to reanalyze your own problems. Because quite often, even the everyday conversations, you don't get a handle on. Um, and that's the problem, because that's what then breaks you. You have to have these silly just just general conversations with people in your coffee shop that's why i love to do it's a very social thing but it's just like talking your problems over but now i'm trying to find those other people that have been injured um not knowing why and then looking at what has caused that and it makes so many people then start to wake up to what's going on around them and you are a tower of strength, Wayne. Um, tell everybody your Twitter handle if they want to follow you on Twitter because you're really active and you sp you put out some amazing information. So tell everyone where they can find you. So, yeah, I'm still waiting to get um, put back on the platform by Elon Musk because he said it was okay to talk about ivermectin 
earlier this year, um, so I did, and I got banned for it. Um, whereas obviously he didn't, and he's been a bit slow to let so many thousands of people back on. But look, I think it's about 30 days of these um, reinvestigations to let people back on. So I've been heavily into Truth Social for quite a while, but I found a new home with Getter. It seems to be a very, very free, very open application. Um, so I've found a very good home there, but obviously I've always been with Facebook for many years. So um, Wayne TLC, see, get my words out, Wayne TLC um, generally, but the real coffee man um, is what I was also known as on Twitter. So hopefully one day I'll come back there. Um, but time will tell. Charlotte, we've had the bivalent rolled out just recently. Have you seen an increase in your membership? And are people associating their adverse reactions or their illness with an injection, whether it be the bivalent that they've just had or whether it be, you know, 18 months ago when they first had a, a jab? Are more people realizing that they're vaccine injured? And, and has your membership gone up since the bivalence yeah membership's definitely gone up um so yeah we we had a bit of a lull in the summer and and then since the the rollout of the bivalent it has it has gone up again um unfortunately uh what i think i think people are in you know that there are some people that um do immediately know that it was the vaccine that caused their issues because it is so immediate that their reaction it's so obvious um and then there are some people that um have maybe gone you know a few weeks and then thought you know i i wouldn't have just got this out of thin air you know something happened and and what happened in those two weeks i had a vaccine that's that's the only thing that's changed so i think more people are starting to 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 correlate um you know and there there will be people that 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 fight find out that they've got these things later on and vice versa there'll be people that think that they're vaccine injured that that might have something different you know we can't rule everything out so we have to look at all sides but um the main thing is is that people are starting to question um and and ask why when they say to their doctor you know this happened after the vaccine and that and they're not getting the right support they're starting to wonder why 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 would i not get support just because i've said this started after my vaccine um why would that happen <laughs> It's, uh, no, it shouldn't. You're happen. right. No, you're 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 absolutely right. And this is why we have to keep your stories at the top for everyone to hear, because you know it's very easy for all the, all the news going on at the moment globally. You know, people get forgotten, and we've got to make sure that we keep your stories at the top. And on that note, I'm going to sign off to all of our viewers and listeners, and just encourage everyone that's been moved by this interview because there's many many people still out there that aren't receiving any help that are alone that are feeling lonely depressed not knowing what to do charlotte's group 
is amazing. Charlotte and Wayne put out some incredible information. But as always, I want to sign off to our viewers and listeners and ask them to share this video. And I'm going to leave the final words with Wayne and Charlotte. So if we go to Wayne first, perhaps, and then we'll finish on Charlotte. And I just want to thank you so much for trusting UK Column, because I know that you do. And we are really, really honoured by that for being brave enough to stand up and stand out because facing up to all of this evidence and listening to the stories from other people that you're having to hear must be incredibly tough. I don't know if I could do it. So with that note, much love, happy new year. Thank you. And Wayne, it's over to you for your last word. Thank you. Through all this time we've discovered so many people in our, in our new family, I suppose that's what we, we are. We all, we're all connected through this common same injury type. And so it makes us stronger and we then have to analyze things that would then make it easier for us to deal with, but also beneficial to them. Um, so anything we can do, um, it makes us all that a little bit healthier, we can then um, achieve so much more. As time goes forward, we have more and more people speaking out and hopefully that's what will actually break this all coming down because um, you get more and more MPs coming forward. We need our own MPs to be actually standing up in the House of Commons now and actually taking that brave stance that people like Andrew Bridgen did. And, okay, Sir Christopher Choke did it first. Um, and a couple of others as well, unless I'm mistaken. But they need to be taking that major risk to their, their careers and their reputation and actually say, well, hang on, I do believe in this story. I do believe these people need help. Um, and I'm going to make a stand on it. Until that happens, um, it's just going to get shut down and we're just going to be on the fringes. I, I've hope, I hope um, that it will happen. And I think with the momentum that we had before Christmas, because at the moment, Andrew Bridge and the Spings were a very great amount of people. And every time he's speaking out, he's saying just a little bit more of actually what went on beforehand, which is quite interesting. So I don't think that's going away. And I think that is only going to build. So hopefully for the, you know, this coming year, um, it's going to open the doors to so many different things, right from people being recognised, being able to get some better sort of treatment, um, just the help they need at the end of the day. But anyway, happy new year to everyone. Thank you, Wayne, so much. Charlotte, you go ahead. Thank you so much for having us on again. Um, we really appreciate it. I really appreciate it. And um, as you say, UK Column has become, including you, Debbie, uh, great friends of ours. Um, and we really appreciate it very much, um, everything you've done for us. Um, going forward, again, I'd just like to reiterate, if you come across someone that is vaccine injured, try and make a safe space for them. So leave your opinions about the vaccines, about COVID, about any, all the politics, leave it to one side and just give them a hug and try and work through some of their issues with them in a gentle way. Try not to bring the politics of the situation into it. Um, 
we don't need that when we're in that space we just need friends so gentle hugs gentle space if you're vaccine injured you are not alone there are people out there that will talk to you and support you and like wayne said we are a big family now we're a big community um contact us we have zoom socials once a week so even if you're too ill to leave your bed you can put your zoom on and you can turn your camera off we don't have to see you but you can just talk to us and we're all in the same boat and we all we all have a moan we have a laugh um we do have a laugh actually they're they're, they're quite a humorous bunch um and uh we do have doctors that come and zoom with us now so we do have um some in, some informative zooms every now and then we have quiz nights <laughs> uh, so we have all sorts of things going on but aside from the support aspect um if you could please still keep on writing to june rain the mhra AstraZeneca, Pfizer, all of these people, your MPs need to hear about this. So please, if you'd like us to write to your MPs for you, we have a, a template um, and it outlines what we need as a group going forward. So please, please contact us at inquiries at ukcvfamily.org and we'll get one of those letters to your MP. Um, every letter counts. So every single letter, it might not seem like a lot, but every time they read that letter and they have to respond, um, it is making a difference. It's raising awareness every time. So please don't stop. Carry on. Uh, we need your help. And um, I'd just like to say a massive thank you to you all for your donations already and your emails of support um and gratitude we we are so thankful for it and i read them out to the group um they they absolutely love it you know when you're in that situation where you feel like a lot of the world doesn't care and you get messages of support um it means such an awful lot so follow us on twitter we're um ukcv family on twitter um and you can go to our website and and send us an email don't doesn't have to be a donation as well just send us an email of support because like i say they love they love hearing from everyone so thank you ever so much and happy new year <laughs>